Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. through the, the book of Matthew, and you're going to look at the last portion of the chapter 8 and the beginning portion of chapter 9 in the book of Matthew. Our Lord Jesus Christ demonstrates his authority to forgive sin. And so we're going to begin there, Matthew chapter 8. I get my specs out here. In the beginning at verse 28 in Matthew chapter 8. When he had come to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a good way off from them, there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine, and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep, down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. Then those who kept them fled, and they went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. When they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. So he got into a boat and crossed over and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. 
But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you again and we ask your blessing upon this reading of the Holy Scripture. We pray, Lord, that you be our teacher through God the Holy Spirit to the honor and to the glory of the Lord Jesus. We pray that our hearts will be open and ready to receive your truth. Transform our lives, O Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we see here that the Lord Jesus delivers two men from spiritual bondage. The Bible teaches that spiritual bondage is real. That evil is real. And sadly, you don't have to look very far to see evil right here within our own country. Now, to be sure, our country is a very blessed country, a blessed nation. And we are blessed to have the wonderful privilege to have been born and raised and to live here in the United States of America. But sadly, there is a tremendous amount of evil. Evil. People want to talk about guns. You know, it's not the guns. It's evil within an individual's heart and in their life. Homes without God. We see two men here. Now notice it says that they were in the tombs. They came out of the tombs because evil brings death. And that's where the evil, the evil one, likes to hang out. So they come from the tombs, and they cry out. Notice they cry out. They cry out to Jesus, and they, they're concerned that he has come to torment them or to hold them accountable before the time. You notice that? It says, before the time. Because the devil and his demons are aware that there is coming a judgment time where they're going to be held accountable. Now, there are those who live in this world who, they don't believe that. They don't accept that. And the idea that the devil is real or that demons exist or that evil is real, they scoff and they laugh and they ridicule that idea. They say that we're backwards. Uneducated, if you will. Believing in false myths and philosophies. That we're crazy born again, right? <laughs> oh, that some of us were a little crazier in our Christian life. But they cry out. 
And notice that they acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God. In the, over in the book of James, he says, you, you do well to believe, but you need to know something else. The demons believe also. Or in other words, our lives are to give the evidence of the fact that we belong to the Lord. Our lives are supposed to be different than the unbelievers. Yet sadly, so many believers lie. You can't tell the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. Because the, the believer is living like a child of the devil. They acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God, and he grants their request. You notice that? And what a request. They request to go into a, a herd of swine. Pigs. Pigs. I found it very interesting that in our, our Sunday school lesson, there was an example. It was taken from the Gospel of Luke, and the example is the prodigal son. And what do you recall about the prodigal son? When he, when he left home, he turned away. He was living the good life. You know, wine, women, and song, right? That's what it says. But all of his money was gone. All his friends were gone, too. Ah, and the fancy ladies were gone, too. And he found himself in the pig. Because that is what the devil wants to do with every human life. To run it into the pig pen. It's a picture of what the devil offers. Run over the hill into the water and drown. Because evil results in destruction. That's what the world has to offer. That's what, the, that's what the, the evil, unbelieving world offers. And notice, those that were keeping the swine, they, they go back home and they, they tell them what happened. And they're, of course, they're, they're careful to, to point out Jesus. And these people want nothing to do with it. They want nothing to do with him. And the world wants nothing to do with the truth of God. The world, the unbelieving world, wants nothing to do with you or with our God. Make no mistake about it. The devil is not your friend. Jesus, however, is the friend of sinners. Amen? Over in that uh, same lesson this morning, Solomon in his, in his prayer that uh, we studied in, in, in Sunday school, he makes the statement, when your people sin, O Lord, he's praying to God, and when your people sin, and then he says, because there is no one who doesn't sin. And I still run into people who believe that they're not a sinner. 
there are actually people who believe they're, you know, they, they, they've never sinned. And he asked him, well, do you believe that you'll go to heaven when you die? And he said, well, of course I will. And then when you ask him, well, why, why do you believe it? Well, because I'm a, I'm a good guy. You know, I've, 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 I've got a good heart, and I've never really hurt anyone. And then you've heard this one before, too, right? Where they say, well, you know, down there at the church, it's full of hypocrites. And you can really get their attention, you know, when you tell them, well, then you fit right in. <laughs> right? Because the truth is, is that we're all hypocrites. Isn't that true? You say one thing and do another. Well, there were four men who bring their friend to Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. These four men bring their friend to Jesus. He was paralyzed. He had some type of condition that, that paralyzed him. He was not able to walk. And his four friends were concerned about their friend. Love in action. Love in action. And then notice, secondly, that they believed that Jesus would heal their friend. If all they could do was, if they could just get their friend to Jesus, they believed that Jesus would heal their friend. Faith engaged. People talk a lot about faith, but when it comes to, to actually engaging their faith, well, that's another story. But they believed. Now, over in the Gospel of Mark, we, we have an account of this same, the same event in the life of the Lord Jesus and in the life of this man and these four men. The Bible says that Jesus was teaching in this, in this house and that there were so many people that they couldn't get in. So what did they do? They said, well, we got to get our friend to Jesus. They went up the stairs because there was the, these, these, these homes at that time had the exterior stairs that led up to the to the roof, and it was usually filled with with um, uh, covered with uh, palm branches and some tile and some other things. So they went up there and they broke that thing apart and lowered it down because they were determined to get their friend to Jesus. Perseverance, courage. Now I I, I don't suppose that the person who owned the house was very happy about that. You probably wouldn't be real happy about that if somebody did that at your place. But their concern was for their friend, to get their friend to Jesus at all costs. Now, you know, there are many people today who are paralyzed. Paralyzed, and they're in conditions that paralyze them or, or they keep them from really living the kind of life that God intends for them to live. And it's interesting that the Bible says that when Jesus saw their faith, that is, the faith of the men who brought their friend, now he knew the condition of the man's life, and he said, Son, thy sins are forgiven. It gives us a little insight there. Because there's the possibility that the condition that the man was in came as a result of certain choices that he made or maybe the way that he had lived his life. Or in other words, that sin may have contributed to his paralysis. You say, oh, that, 
may be a little harsh. Well, that's, that was one position in ancient times, and it's still a position today. As a matter of fact, the Bible even teaches that. That sometimes we're ill because of a direct relationship of sin in our lives that results in certain consequences. Well, we don't like to hear them. It's not always the case, but ultimately it is the case going all the way back to the garden. Because sin didn't exist, or, or, or illness didn't exist until sin occurred in the garden. Now remember that sin began in heaven when Lucifer sought to take God's place. That's where it began. Pride. But in terms of the human race with Adam and Eve, when they disobeyed God. And as a result of that, everything that we suffer today has come into our lives. But you know, there are so many people who are paralyzed or they're, they're in certain conditions in their lives because they choose to live a sinful lifestyle. You take, for example, the person who thinks that, uh, oh, you know, it's not so bad to, to, to just take a little puff of that marijuana. And do you know that the media, and even many within the medical community, are being very dishonest with the American people? Because the marijuana of today is not like the marijuana of 40 years ago. I'm not a medical doctor, but I've listened to many medical doctors describe it, and I guess it's the, the, the what is that, T, TCA? THC, okay. I guess the levels now are 10 to 20 times higher. And they know that it is causing irreparable neurological damage to people. And they've had numerous cases where young kids who get all of these gummies or things that they sell, in the emergency room, many die. And there's been an uptick in violent use of vehicles. But guess what? It's not the vehicle's fault, is it, or is it? No. No, it's the individual's fault. And there's been an uptick also in violence all across the country. Many people are, are paralyzed, if you will, by, by evil in their lives because they choose to live a life in rejection of God's truth. And when you reject God's truth, you open up the door for all and everything that is evil and wicked and destructive to come in. Jesus says, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Now notice, the people sitting around there were, they were surprised. They were amazed. Actually, they were offended. They were offended. They said, this man 
They're blaspheming, and they were thinking these things in their hearts, and maybe looking at one another, and immediately Jesus knows what they're thinking. He knew their thoughts. God knows our thoughts. He knows our lives. I think I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, I was having a discussion with a lady, and, and um, she said uh, something to the effect that, um, that God was not aware that you know, Adam and Eve were going to do what they did in the garden. So as a result of that, he had to come up with the plan of sending Jesus you know, to die upon the cross. I said, no, no, that is, that is incorrect. The Bible teaches that Jesus, the Son of God, is the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. It was not God's plan B, as Roger likes to say. No, not God's plan B. It was his plan from the beginning, because God knows all things. And she disagreed with that. She did not believe that, that God knows all things. He had said that she believed in God. Not the God of this Bible. The God of this Bible is omniscient. That is, he knows everything. There is nothing that he does not know. He knows it all. <clears throat> he knows all about the secret sins of our lives. He knows all the cobwebs that we have in our lives. He knows everything about us. He knows it all. There is nothing <coughs> hidden from the Lord. He knows it all. And he knew the condition of this man. And he knew what they were thinking in their hearts. So then he, he, he poses a question to them. Which, which of the two is easier? Is it, is it easier to say... <coughs> Son, your sins are forgiven. Because how would, how would you check that? All right, that, that's a little easier to say than to say this. Be healed. And he makes a statement so that you may know that the Son of Man, and that Son of Man, you find that over in the, in the book of Daniel as he uses that term, Son of Man, to refer to the Messiah. Jesus, Jesus makes it very, very plain who he claims to be so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority. And in the Greek, the word is actually exousia, which means authority. Because there's another word in Greek, the word uh, dunamis, which means power or might. And of course, Jesus has that as well, but he has the authority. It's within his jurisdiction. He has the divine right upon earth because all authority is given to him. And in the book of Matthew, God's Holy Spirit is teaching that Jesus Christ is the one who has all authority. He says that he has the authority to forgive sins so that you may know he turned to the man on the, on the cot and he said, get up, pick up your bed and walk. And what happens? The man was both forgiven 
and healed. In a moment of time, immediately. And they were dumbfounded. They were dumbfounded. Ah, but they marveled, the Bible says, and they glorified God. Amen? But notice that they didn't recognize Jesus' authority. And they wouldn't accept him as the Son of God. And so, what do we learn from this passage here? From these two passages, actually. Spiritual battle and spiritual warfare are real. They're real. The devil is real. His demons are real. Now, a Christian cannot be possessed of the devil. Why? Or why not? Because we are indwelt by God the Holy Spirit. And the Bible teaches, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But we can be tempted, for even our Lord Jesus Christ was tempted, was he not? Continuously throughout his life, it was not just in the wilderness, but throughout his life, he was tempted. Here's an example. Do you recall that uh, when Jesus shared with the disciples what was going to happen to him when he went down to Jerusalem? How they were going to treat him? You remember who, who got in his face? Somebody got in his face, took him aside, began to scold him. Peter. Peter said, no, we're going to let that happen to you. And well, he went on and on and on. How did Jesus respond? Do you recall? Yes. Get thee behind me, Satan. And why? Because you do not savor. That is, you do not accept the things or the will of God. Do you know that when you are sharing the message of God's love with other people, when you're sharing God's holy word, that God is speaking through you to that person? God is speaking through you. He speaks through his children. He speaks through you when you share the message of the gospel. He speaks through you when you touch someone else's life with the tenderness and the love of God. He's speaking through you. He's speaking through your hands and through your life. When you, when you have an expression upon your face, that, that demonstrates care and concern and love and appreciation for someone else. God is speaking through you to that person. And when they reject you, they're not really rejecting you. They're rejecting the God who sent you. They're rejecting Christ. Spiritual warfare is real. What is the condition of your life? What is the condition of your life? Secondly, physical sickness is real. It's real. I'm sure that every person in this room has had some type of illness or sickness. And we would prefer to be healthy and well, amen. But sickness is a reality. And there are some sicknesses and conditions and diseases unto death. 
just as sin is real. Now in our Sunday school lesson, one of the gentlemen said, well, one of the reasons that people don't repent is because they don't want to admit that they're guilty. They don't want to admit that they've sinned. And the fact is, is that we are all sinners. But D, our Lord Jesus Christ is the only hope for humanity. He's the only hope for our lives. The Bible refers to Jesus as our blessed hope. Amen? And here's what's so wonderful. God, who is holy and compassionate and loving and kind, he desires only the best for our lives. He loves us. He thunders against sin. The Bible says he hates it. God hates sin. The world would say, oh, that's a rather strong term, don't you? Yes, it is a very strong term. And it cost the Father the life of his Son. Jesus left the splendor of heaven to come and to live in this world and to go to a cruel cross to be crucified, to shed his blood. It is serious. But God's love, the Bible teaches, grace greater than our sin. Amen? God knows everything about our lives. And like the song says, Amazing Grace, he loves us anyway. Amen. Now, there are those who reach a certain age and they think, well, their life is over. You know, some, some reach, uh, you know, 18 and they think, well, all the fun in life is gone. <laughs> or maybe 25. Or who was that, Linda Evans? 40 isn't fatal. <laughs> it's been a long time since we've seen 40. <laughs> Your life is not over yet. You have tremendous potential. You have tremendous potential. God has created you, and he has gifted you, and he loves you, and he wants to use you. Like these four men who brought their friend to Jesus. You have people in your family who've been paralyzed by sin. Paralyzed by, by various choices that they've made. Failures. What they need to hear is that God loves them. And that he wants to heal them. And to use them for his glory. And to make their life a blessing. And you have that wonderful privilege to share his love with them. To bring them to Jesus. You have people in, in your neighborhood. Now, this church is here in this neighborhood. And there are so many people living in this neighborhood who are lonely, who are discouraged and depressed, who need to know that Jesus loves them, that they're known to God. He, he knows their name. 
He knows their address. He knows the condition of their lives. And he wants to touch their lives. They're your neighbors. Bring them to Jesus. You say, well, you don't know my neighbor. He's a rather cantankerous person. For the Lord knows him. And you're there as, as the Lord's representative and ambassador to bring that one to Jesus. And notice as we close here, unbelievers will die in sin unless they're brought to Jesus. That's why our church is committed to evangelism, missions. Evangelism and the missions. Because our God is about the salvation of the lost. People all the time crying about, well, what is the will of God? What is the will of God? Here's the will of God that people be saved. Here's the will of God that God's people tell others about him. Have you ever heard someone say, well, you know, I'm trying to find the will of God for my life. Maybe you've said that. Yes. The will of God. It's God's will for us to share his love. He's saying, you know, that, I, that, that person, I, I just don't really care for those type of people. Well, you need to get over that. You need to ask God to forgive you and to help you, to equip you and enable you to love them in spite of them. To love them enough to share Jesus with them. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. The Savior is waiting. He's waiting for you, for me. He's waiting for everyone. Whatever the condition of your life is today, if your life isn't right with him, oh, we, we beg you in the name of the Lord to give your life to him. He loves you. God loves you. And you say, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to do thus and so. And, and then life just got in the way. It's never too late. It's never too late. Well, let's stand, please, and we sing. And as we sing, you come, you walk down that aisle. You give your heart, you give your life to the Lord. You rededicate your life to him. Follow together in believers' baptism as we sing. <coughs> we pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.